Welcome in to another episode of the Cali Green Monster Show, coming to you here on Tuesday, March 2nd, 2021. Before I started to record, you know, I, I record here from the Tesla Studios here in beautiful sunny San Diego. And while I'm setting up the podcast, I'm usually rocking out to some music. Yesterday I was rocking out to Blink-182, and right before I started this one, I was, I was listening to Welcome to the Jungle. And I was really fighting the urge to let my Axl Rose out with like a, Welcome to a Cali Green Monster Show! No, 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 no. So, yeah, like, that's the, there's the Dean Pruce Axel Rose for you. I couldn't help myself. I couldn't fucking help myself. I just had to fucking do it. So, there you go. What an intro for a Cali Green Monster show. Show number 39. I think it's going to be the best one yet. We're going to talk about WandaVision episode 8. So, if you haven't seen WandaVision episode 8, this is on a Tuesday. It came out last Friday. Hopefully, I've given you guys enough time to have seen the episode. But if not, by the second half of this podcast, I guess I'll give you another warning, but just here's a spoiler. I'm going to be talking about episode eight. And but before I do the big news in the sports world yesterday, at least in the football world, is that three time defensive player of the year, J.J. Watt, now has a new home. He left the Texans. He was released a few weeks back. So a lot of speculation over the past few weeks as to where he was going to wind up. I devoted part of an episode last week thinking about where or like trying to predict where I think J.J. Watt was going to go. There was reports out that he was getting offers between the 15 and $16 million range as the high end of like the offers he was getting. I was looking through teams cap spaces of teams that I think that I thought that could afford J.J. Watt and that were also contenders. And I had narrowed that list to the Indianapolis Colts, the Cleveland Browns, and possibly the Baltimore Ravens. However, He's going to Phoenix. He's going to the desert. He's he signed with the Arizona Cardinals for two years, $31 million, $23 million of that guaranteed. So it looks like the Arizona Cardinals are that team that I guess the reports were out that it was about 15 to $16 million because this offer is right on the money of what that was. And I guess – the you know J.J. Watt who's out there looking for a Super Bowl he's going to go try to get it in the desert with his old buddy DeAndre Hopkins I think it was definitely an interesting decision to go there because I do feel like you know Arizona they are a pretty I would say they're a middle of the pack team that has good potential you know they have Kyler Murray who has shown flashes of being a really good quarterback however he is a small dude and the wear and tear of a 16 game season I don't know how he can hold up I mean last year he was balling until he hurt his shoulder so I mean if Kyler Murray can stay healthy and that offense could just keep going I mean now they've kind of strengthened that defense now with J.J. Watt you know improving uh, having a good pass rush I think is definitely important in a division that now has Matt Stafford and for the time being has Russell Wilson. So, you know, Arizona, I think definitely improved a bit. I think people got to keep in mind that J.J. Watt right now is not the three-time defensive. Like, you know, he is, but he's not that same player that, you know, because he won it back, I think it was 2012, 2014, and 2015. And over those years, he never missed a game. But since 2015, that was his third defensive player of the year. He In 2016, he missed 13 games with back surgery. Then in 2017, he missed 11 with a fractured left leg. He played all the games in 2018. And then in 2019, he missed eight with a torn pec. 
And then he played all of last year, which, I mean, considering all of last year, it's pretty impressive that he played all the games since Houston really didn't have any chance and they were kind of they were one of the worst teams and there wasn't anything to be playing for. But he had this epic speech towards the end of the season where, you know, where he was talking about how disrespectful it is for people to for players to go out there and not give their best effort when people are paying money to see them play football. So, you know, J.J. Watt, just for that attitude, you could see on top of his physical t- uh, physicals traits and everything and all the other intangibles, it's that mentality that he has that, you know, I think is infectious. So even though he might not be at that same caliber, he might not be at, you know, necessarily what Aaron Donald is, for example, right now. J.J. Watt was Aaron Donald before Aaron Donald. So even though he might not be quite that anymore, he still got that mentality. And, you know, as we saw with Tampa Bay, having a leader like that who has a mentality like that, it's infectious and it spreads around the locker room. So hopefully, you know, that's something for Arizona that that can rub off on the defense because, you know, you got J.J. Watt and you're now pairing him with Chandler Jones. And I think I read somewhere where it was like since 2012, so that was J.J. Watt's first defensive player of the year season. Chandler Jones has the most sacks of anyone in the NFL, followed by J.J. Watt. So they're they're two dangerous dudes that can put pressure on the quarterback, and that just that makes things easier in the secondary on defense. Because if you only have to rush, you know, three or four people and can get pressure, as we saw with Tampa Bay against Kansas City in the Super Bowl, that can be super effective and could be a recipe for success. You know, the NFC West is a super tough division. All the teams are good. You know, the Rams, adding Matt Stafford, they're basically a team that's trying to win a Super Bowl now. Seattle's always good, even though there's all the talk right now about Russell Wilson wanting to move and maybe him possibly getting traded. In my opinion, I think that what's going to end up happening is they're just going to end up bringing in pieces or bringing in protection. I think they're going to they're just going to appease and make Russell Wilson happy. So I think Seattle is still going to be good. And a lot of people are still sleeping on the 49ers. They had tons of injuries last year. Nick Bosa was injured. You know, the other they had other injuries on the defensive line. You know, the offensive weapons were hurt like the whole time. Jimmy G, which I think he's been getting almost like a negative rap from the season. You know, he was hurt for, you know, I think a big chunk of that season last year. So I anticipate the 49ers to be good as well. So that's why I think it is a little questionable that Arizona is the spot to go when you're trying to win a championship. I think that, you know, it's like they, like I said, they are, they're a middle of the pack team I see with, with high potential, but until we see that potential fulfilled, I think Arizona, you know, I mean, look at Larry Fitzgerald. He's been in Arizona since about 2004, I believe, and he's gotten pretty close. He's gotten to a Super Bowl, but nothing else. So I don't know. Does J.J. Watt, him bringing, you know, improving that pass rush, is that the key for Arizona? Does Cliff Kyle Kingsbury, does he – figure it out this year as coach you know does Kyler Murray does he take a step up here in year three so you know Arizona's definitely I think that you know just having Kyler Murray on the team he makes that team exciting and worth a watch and now having J.J. Watt signing there it makes Arizona at least you know here in the offseason and in the 2021 preseason they're definitely going to be a team to talk about but 
I think the NFC West is so tough that I'm not sure this really does make them NFC contenders at all. And, you know, maybe if this was J.J. Watt from five years ago, that might be something. But, you know, because at least with J.J. Watt, there's some people that are saying that, you know, in on top of him not being the same player, they think that, you know, since he's been injured, he's he's injury prone. But, I mean, if you look at his injuries, it's like 2016 was a back, 2017 was a leg, and then 2019 was a peck. Those are all completely different injuries. Like, I felt like if it was a recurring, like, back injury or something, that would be something to worry about. But I don't think that that's the case. So, you know, at 31 years old, like, I'm 31 years old, I would like to think that I'm not over the hill. So hopefully, you know, maybe J.J. Watt has got enough in the gas tank and he'll be worth that big price tag that he's got. I mean, you know, he's, that's still, you know, a lot of money. Arizona had, I think, $17 million in cap space, and they've basically just spent it on J.J. Watt. So if him and Chandler Jones can stay healthy and, you know, this new place can maybe possibly reinvigorate J.J. Watt, you know, Arizona, they might definitely be a dark horse team. But I think until we see how it turns out, it's just going to be a lot of us guessing what we think is going to happen. So but that's always fun. I mean, that's one of the whole points of this podcast and us talking about sports in the offseason. It's just us bullshitting and trying to guess what we think is going to happen. So now moving away from sports, we're going to talk some WandaVision Episode 8. So consider this a warning. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. This is a spoiler alert. There we go. So, if you're still listening now and haven't seen WandaVision Episode 8, this is on you, buddy. So, Episode 8, it was titled Previously On. It was titled that way, probably because there was a lot of flashbacks and kind of backstories being given. So, Episode 7 ended with Wanda ending up in her neighbor, um, Agnes... And we find out she's actually a witch, Agatha Harkness. So she winds up in her basement, and you know Agatha Harkness reveals herself. We're gonna re- we're gonna t- refer to her as Agatha Harkness from now on. No more, you know, talking about as her neighbor. And also, just a heads up, nor I, I would try to keep this short winded, but I feel like this episode had so much going on when I was sitting there and like taking kind of notes about it and just remembering it. You know watched it back on friday and this is tuesday morning it was almost like oh crap there was oh that happened oh yeah and that happened oh my god and that happened so there's gonna be a lot talking so strap up and hopefully this doesn't take too long of me talking it's already taken too long (laughs) so this episode starts off with a flashback scene from like the salem witch trials and agatha's tied up on a stake and there's a bunch of witches around and there's basically a head witch and she's telling her that like hey you've fucked around with dark magic and that's just you know you know it's against the witch code or whatever code that witches have so you know agatha's pleading and it's not working so all the witches are basically hitting her with like these this purple energy or something and Agatha's screaming and then the next thing you know you hear the the witches are the ones that are actually screaming and grunting and the next thing you know they're all withered away and just like shriveled up like little skeletons as if like Agatha like sucked the life out of them and then now the main witch she's just like uh oh dude and Agatha's just like and she's calling the main witch mom so I don't know if that's 
Agatha's actual mom or that's just what they call the head witch. But she's like almost like pleading with her. And me and my wife are kind of like, okay, this witch sees exactly what happened when the whole coven of witches tried to attack her. So it's like, what does she try to do? Does the same exact thing. And then what happens? Agatha kills her too or like sucks the life out of her as well. So it's like Agatha's obviously a strong witch. I don't know if it's she is evil and has dark powers, but she definitely, you know, she's definitely a strong witch. And I think that that's the whole like basis of this episode is that, you know, she's a strong witch, has been around for a long time, but Wanda is something that she's never seen before and doesn't know how Wanda was able to do what she was able to do by taking Westview basically under hostage. So one of the first things in this episode that we kind of learn that I found pretty interesting is that Agatha's talking to Wanda and implying that, you know, Wanda is actually is a witch like from before even like Age of Ultron and the, you know, because everyone up until this point in the MCU assumes or it's been implied that she's gotten her powers from experiments with the Tesseract when Hydra was doing experiments on her and her brother. But Agatha's basically saying that she's had powers this whole time and she thinks that the Tesseract just must have exacerbated those problems. So, for example, when they did the flashback episode or the flashback of when Wanda and her brother were little kids in Sokovia. I can't say Sokovia without like Sokovia. I'm from Sokovia. I feel like it's just like Wakanda. Like you can't say Wakanda. Like you can't go just go Wakanda. You got to go like Wakanda. Like Sokovia. So sorry, I got distracted. But going into the flashback with Sokovia, you know, it shows their apartment get blown up. And it shows, like, a missile that, like, landed right next to her and her brother, and it just doesn't go off. And Wanda's explanation is that it was just a dud missile and everything, but Agatha is like, no, like, you did a spell, basically, to protect you and your brother and make that bomb not go off. And even asks Wanda, like, how long were you and your brother there stuck under the the rubble? And when Wanda says, like, a couple days, like, Agatha just gives her a look, like, and you guys were fine this whole time. So she's basically implying that, like, dude, Wanda, like, you had powers, like, this whole time. So it's not just the Tesseract. Because then when they showed the flashback of her, when she joined, like, the Hydra or basically the terrorist group, you know, when we find her in Age of Ultron, Agatha even says, like, ooh, like, you're rebellious years. And she's brought into a room with the Tesseract. And they even mentioned that, like, all the all the people that have touched or been exposed to the Tesseract have died. But when she like gets to it, it like floats and changes colors and all this stuff happens and you know, she's fine. So like Agatha basically is implying that what the Tesseract did was it basically brought life to something and made it even like grander than it could have been rather than something that would have died on the vine if like she hadn't you know, been exposed to the Tesseract or anything like that. So Agatha's basically implying that Wanda was a witch this whole time, and the, the Tesseract actually just made her powers, like, crazy strong, like what she's doing now. And, you know, and, and as this episode moves along, you get to see more about Wanda and Vision and kind of like how Wanda really helped Vision 
gain his you know his sense of humanity and kind of better i don't know explains like how she was able to fall in love with a robot because that's kind of one of the things when the show first started and you know with like the avengers movies it was just kind of weird that's like dude vision is basically a robot so she's like she's fallen in love with her sex toy for the, the for the better part i guess if you want to be crude with it so but like in this we get to see like you know Pietro had died and she was just at the Avengers compound and you know she's just sad watching like I think Malcolm in the middle and Vision comes and joins her and she's laughing at something that's going on in the show and Vision just doesn't understand you know what's funny and so she had to explain like what is funny and but then she was also explaining how she's just so sad and just so depressed and Vision just couldn't really understand that you know, because he's saying that, like, he doesn't understand love because he's been alone his entire life. So it's like, if he's never had anyone to love, then he's never even been able to experience loss. And he had this quote that I had to, like, go back to write because it's like, I remember the time thinking, like, whoa, that was like, that was a really nice quote. And what he said, he's like, but what is grief if not love persevering? And I just thought, like, wow, that was a great line. Because then right after that, he laughs at something on the show. So it was almost like him and Wanda, like, had, like, this connection. And it it gave him life. And, you know, it was just, it was, it was beautiful in a way. It was a really, it was a well-done scene. And that's why it makes, you know, that what the next flashback even, you know, more heartbreaking you know, it shows like it's right after the snap and Wanda comes back, you know, and the very first thing on her agenda is to find Vision's body because, you know, she wants to be able to give it a proper bear, give him a proper burial. So she shows up at the, the sword headquarters or wherever they're keeping Vision's body and asks to see him. So when, you know, when she goes and sees him, he's all disassembled, like he's on a table, all his wires are out. That Hayward guy is just like, hey, he's the most powerful sentient weapon that mankind has ever produced he's too dangerous to just like you know we need to basically (laughs) he needs to be under our possession like he was basically telling wanda like we own vision's body and she's saying like we you know he deserves a burial and he's like no this is like eight billion dollars worth of vibranium or something crazy like that so you know he's just basically making it clear to wanda that vision is just a robot he's just a weapon and that's all he is or at least that's all he is to hayward and you know the agents that are working on him so you know wanda busts the wind the glass or whatever and goes down to see vision and you know when she goes to like you know like because she can kind of go inside people's minds and even in an infinity war there's a point where Thanos comes and and Vision says I could feel him and when Scarlet Witch like or when Wanda like goes into his mind she's like I only feel you but it was really sad because when she goes down there she's like she touches Vision's just like now lifeless head and she says like I can't feel you and it was just you know it was it was a heartbreaking scene I think Elizabeth Olsen really acted it well out it was it was you know it was yeah, it was well done. But what was interesting is like we see the scene and she leaves without taking Vision's body. And that's interesting because, 
you know the vi- the the video that we see earlier in the WandaVision it was in like you know episode 5 or something like that you see that that scene of Wanda like busting the glass and coming down but it shows her stealing the body as well or at least I don't know if actually showing stealing the body but it's like at least implying that so that was pretty interesting that made me go well does she come back for his body but then that doesn't seem to be the case because after that, it just shows her driving to Westview, which with I think in New Jersey, it was just a small town. She's driving around and you're seeing a lot of the, the people in the town, like characters that you'd recognize from the past episodes. And she shows up at a plot of land with, you know, looks like construction has stopped and she pulls out a deed that looked like it was like that was going to be her and Vision's home, like suburban home where they were going to have a life and just have a family and that just seems to be the beginning of what happens like of this whole show she just loses it like has a breakdown of some sort and just all this power and energy just comes out and she like you know the big hexagon thing just overtakes the town and everything turns black and white and you know everything's turning old school like 50s style and then when the house is built, just like what we see in the first episode, it's that 50s style. And then she basically creates vision. Like she's able to spontaneously create vision, like right there. So that's another thing. It's like, so she didn't go steal the body. She straight up created vision. And like, so when that happens, when this scene happens and, you know, it basically is the groundwork for episode one, where we watch WandaVision and where it starts off, Agatha now is like, okay, what the hell? Like Wanda, like you are dangerous. Like this is reckless magic. Like you, you can literally create life and you're using it to make breakfast for dinner. Like, I think that was her quote. So she's like, just basically saying like, no, like, you're dangerous Wanda like with your powers right now like and she always then she goes like you're supposed to be a myth like you're the scarlet witch so that's something that like if you you know like someone that knows like I think I've called her the scarlet witch before just because from the comic books and you know reading on wikipedia while I'm sitting on the toilet I'm like I know okay she's scarlet witch I didn't know in the MCU that she wasn't referred to that yet. So, but I, I guess not. So that was a big reveal. So Scarlet Witch, I guess, is like some mythical witch that has abnormally higher powers. I guess the ability to create life. And, you know, so that explains how she was able to create vision. So that was pretty crazy. And it kind of, you know, brings into the question of, you know, so what happened with, you know, Vision apparently, Wanda apparently stealing Vision's body? You know, we were we were already shown that, and that's what we were told like the entire episode. However, if there was a there was an end credit scene, and with that you see that Hayward's there, and it's like a it's like a sword, basically, like a lab or whatever. And there's a vision body in there, but he, he's not red vision. He's just like pale white. So you're like, okay, they've got a vision. Is that a different vision body? But what, like, so what you see is like 
I'll, let me just finish explaining the end scene. So we see the vision body and you can see that they have the drone that they sent in to go talk to Wanda. And it's basically glowing with like Wanda's power energy source or whatever. So they tap that and use it to charge up that vision body who wakes up. His eyes are white. He just looks at his hands and that's how that ends. So what basically I was kind of confused as to, okay, is that Vision's body? But Vision apparently was stolen by Wanda. What it is actually is Hayward doctored the image of, or the video of Wanda busting in to go down and see Vision's body. And he's basically been swerving everybody, not just the audience, but the agents around that Wanda stole the body in actuality they kept Vision's body and their whole plan was to get him online which they've done now so I think that there's the vision that's in Westview right now that Wanda created and then the one that's with Hayward right now is Vision's actual body but without any soul or any like just basically lifeless you know, I think that's what the white and the white eyes. So I think that we're in for a pretty crazy season finale. I do. I have been mentioning to my wife and some other friends that watch the show that I don't think Agatha Harkness is the big bad. I think at the end of the day, she's going to end up being some sort of like a mentor or like an ally to Wanda. Because, you know, just reading the Wikipedias and we look online Agatha Harkness is supposed to be more of like a mentor to Wanda. So, you know, she spent the whole episode basically trying to get Wanda to reveal who she really is. So unless like Agatha is going to try to either do something by absorbing maybe her life force, like we saw at the beginning of the Salem witch trials where she took the life from all the other witches. So maybe she's going to try something like that with Wanda, but I'm kind of getting a hunch that she's going to, probably try to help Wanda out I don't know I could be completely wrong just like how I think I might be, end up being completely wrong with the X-Men so I don't think <laughs> Professor X is going to show up anymore I've been doubling down on it like every episode that I've been reviewing and that's been one of the reasons why I even was covering the show was one day I thought that was going to be a dope thing I was like yes dude the X-Men are totally going to show up but, you know, I feel like these writers are pretty smart. They did a lot of things to swerve us, to kind of keep us on that trail. Maybe thinking there was a multiverse thing going on by bringing in the Evan Peters Quicksilver. But early in the episode, Agatha even mentions that he's just fake Pietro and that he could, she couldn't conjure up or necromance the actual Pietro's body because it was on another continent riddled with bullet holes. So... You know, that was just a swerve, I think, to get us talking and thinking about it. So I think, I, you know, I don't, you know, I honestly don't know what's going to happen with the next episode. But I think that that's what's great. I'm really looking forward to it. Let me know what you guys think about the show. You know, comment on the Facebook page. And I look forward to talking about it in the future. So with that, this has been an episode of a Cali Green Monster Show. I hope you enjoyed the long-winded WandaVision episode 8 talk and you know maybe enjoyed the football talk at the beginning as well but until then I hope you guys until next time I hope you guys enjoy your Tuesday I'm Dean Ryan this has been a Cali Green Monster show coming to you from the Tesla studios here in sunny San Diego California 
Have a good one, guys. Peace.